Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm doing belly rolls you over are. here because I've got a bad romance. I don't. I actually have a yeah, really delightful. Very, how are you ever going to write a pop song? I guess I have to hurt a little bit more because if there's something we learned from Lady Gaga, you gotta hurt to make art, everybody. Oh, can I get my Gagas out there? It's my little monsters. I believe I'm sorry. Is what it is. Red <laughs> they, I know, but there's so many. There's so many ways to say her. Her fans. They could do be like. They're the gaggles. <laughs> yes, the the googies. They're the googie gaga. Yeah, I'm into Google I'm into the, they're the babies, the, the the little ones, the googies. And uh, no, but they are the little monsters. And I are you guys? Hi, hi guys. Welcome to Pop History. Hey. We're talking about Lady Gaga today. I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> we're talking about Lady Gaga, and I. You're still dancing. Um, yeah, you're doing yeah, all your pop I'm moves. Working, my breasts look great today. They do, and I think it's because they are filled with little monsters. Ah, that means you might have cancer. No, that's horrible. <laughs> Red wine. Yeah, I um definitely uh, was haunted. I want to actually say by her music uh, last night. I think I had every song at one point in time stuck in my head from the first two albums uh, because I've been listening to so much, watching. So many music videos, uh, and and especially, and I have to highly recommend. I'm going to recommend it probably a few times in this episode, but definitely check out the uh, Monsters Ball live in Madison Square Garden. It was taped as an HBO special. It's called Yeah, the Lady Gaga Presents the Monster Ball Tour at Madison Square Garden is the proper name. Uh, it is you can rent it on Amazon Prime. Last night, Lexi and I sat down and watched it, and I had never actually gotten to see. I mean, I definitely have seen Lady Gaga. Uh, live performances via award shows and things like that, but getting to see her full force Broadway-esque, like burlesque, like everything, all these things turned into a multi-giant pop show that was her Monster Ball show is amazing. No matter what you feel about Lady Gaga's music, you have to at least admit that she is a performer. Oh, oh and she is someone God. that always wanted to be a performer and she is someone that got her dream by working her ass off and she's she's such a wonder. Reading through this again, she's another one of these inspa fucking rations to watch. It's like if you just keep going, if you just keep working, 
She's so tiny, get... and you never know. Five mm-hmm. foot two. I remember. I saw the documentary. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. I uh, the internet says it's five foot one. Whoa! Interesting. Oh, she lied about her height. What else <laughs> has she lied about? We're gonna get into that today. Actually, she wasn't a liar. She's been very open about what she's gone through and how she feels. And as someone, I'm gonna go ahead and admit it. I love, love, love Lady Gaga. And when I had watched Five Foot Two originally when it first came out, part of me, the envy side of me, is like, well, of course she got famous. She came from a really rich family mm-hmm. and a really supportive rich family. And that was something that I held against her for a bit. And that's not fucking fair. Well, it's not. But I, I, I also understand the sentiment. I actually had asked you if you knew if she was a part of the Lena Dunham crowd, because that is also another group of peers that got that same treatment where they're a little annoying because they kind of just were in the epicenter of everything and had everything in front of them and all the tools. But she was an Upper West Side girl, right? And uh-huh. Lena Dunham's crew was like the Lower East Side. So two different kinds of rich people. But Gaga went to the same all-girls school that Paris Hilton went to. Yes, Paris and Nikki Hilton. So it is a different life that any of us grew up in. But, that is for sure. But, but similar in, and uh, she was bullied. She was she was yes. not the cool kid. In fact, no. there's. There's this fascinating part at the very beginning of that concert special where she's sitting there and she's just like, I just want to give my fans. And then she like breaks up and she starts like crying and she's just like, and she, and by the way, she looks amazing. She's super cool looking in this shot. She's like getting her hair done stuff. And then she just says, I just can't help. But I I just, I still feel sometimes like that fucking loser. Yeah. Gross loser girl in high school. And, you know, that that doesn't go away. And I will say, of course, she still feels that way because she's 24 in that, in yes. that concert. Thing. Insane. Yeah, it's insane. Obviously, her talent is undeniable. Yes. And she oh, worked yeah. for because you can have lots and lots of money. You can have the, the, the money and the support and still do fucking nothing with it, because regardless, sure. she would have had lots of money. So also. Screw you, Jackie Zabrowski, for holding that against her as someone that worked her fucking ass off and created beautiful, cool performance art. Did you just tell Mm -hmm. yourself to go fuck yourself? I just told, you know what, so you'll have to excuse me, because I gotta go hit the the WC. You gotta go bait. I gotta (laughs) go make in front, because I've gotta go fuck myself. (laughs) I love Lady Gaga. Yeah. I've watched all of her videos, and I, what thought what and she even says that every song that she writes she not only thinks about her her song or how it's going to be but it's also how it's going to be received what she's going to wear immediately thinking of the concept of a video she thinks in large scale and she wants control over all of it and she has it because she's so fucking good at it oh yeah Mm -hmm. i mean the the visual aspect of her to me is the the best part is somebody who wasn't immediately drawn to her music just watching her live performance of the at the vmas in 2009 i was just like oh i get it this yeah. is yeah this is fucking awesome she's a powerhouse <laughs> for me i've yeah i was always fascinated by her music videos and things like that mm-hmm. and at the same time a little intimidated like i'm, v- I'm very much not a fashion person what no hold in i know, really right? thought <laughs> so so it's like like to me it's like yeah i'm look it's kind of hilarious to me that she makes her music for all the damaged people for all the 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 put upon the bullied when it when i'm watching i'm like she's like on another planet i'm like totally intimidated 
Then uh, I think it was actually, I saw her on Howard Stern. She gave a really honest interview, but then it was just her and a piano and she knocked my fucking mm-hmm. socks off. The voice off. is unreal. It is truly. unbelievable. I believe she did um, Edge of Glory and You and I. I can't remember exactly what performance she did, but she was so unbelievable on that. And, and when she did the uh, when she did the Star Spangled Banner, so um, good. Which normally doesn't really. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Right. Sorry, America. <laughs> um, but. Her, she did it just, you know, acapella pretty much. And especially, yeah. I went down into a worm time of her and Beyonce's friendship because I was really trying to figure out how they immediately, even on her first album, started working together. And I forgot that that was the Super Bowl. She did the Star Spangled Banner and Beyonce did the halftime mm. show. So they were there for each other. So they've actually Great. been together because how do you make friends if you are Beyonce? You attach yourself to people that for the most part, are on the same level as you because how? who else would understand, you know? Right. Are, you, are you asking how we make friends with Beyonce? Is this I was asking you out? how will you be friends with me because how do I ever get to where you are, Natalie oh, Jean? Yeah. yeah, I know, guys. Is it really hard to be here with me? <laughs> Holden's so scared he stayed in New York. He's I'm so intimidating. I'm so scared. That scariest thing <laughs> happening in the country right now is definitely that. It's me. Oh, I'm the scariest. <laughs> this is my goal. You're my our child little dream. monster. You're monster <gasps> mommy, monster mama. Oh, by the way, we need to, can we talk about the telephone video at some point? Oh, yeah, sure. We're going to talk about the telephone okay. video because yeah. it is a fire, as the kids say. Oh. But I think that it's time to jump in. Let's start learning about Lady Gaga and where she came from. OMG. The story starts with a certain Stephanie Joanne Angelina Germanata being born in March of 1986 in Manhattan to an Italian Catholic Wait, you're telling me that's an Italian family? No way. (laughs) Stephanie Joanna Angelina Germanata. Her mother was a philanthropist and a business exec. Her father, an internet entrepreneur, but also he was a like a failed musician, right? Yes, but also What's he's it? actually the president of Guest Wi-Fi. Oh. You know Guest Wi-Fi you see everywhere? In every establishment you go to, every hotel you go into, he is the one that established wireless internet in hotels and public spaces. Wow. We're talking that money. Jesus That's fucking We're talking, like, this is not, it's not just. I didn't know that was a company. I thought that was just a term. I had no idea. So he, that he is the president of Wow, that. thank you, sir, for your shitty right? hotel internet. <laughs> and she also has a younger sister, Natalie, who is now a fashion designer, but Natalie is also in the telephone music video that we're going to talk oh, about. Oh, cool. She's not the one she makes out with, right? No, 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 no. Okay, no. good. She quickly became obsessed with music, listening to Michael Jackson and Cyndi Lauper on a mini plastic tape recorder. And she also loved the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. By four years old, she taught herself to play piano, which led to taking piano lessons through ch- through childhood, which led to her being able to create uh, music by ear. Gaga said, I was classically trained as a pianist, and that innately teaches you how to write a pop song. Because when you learn Bach inversions, it has the same sort of modulations between the chords. It's all about tension and release. And actually, at the age of four is when she wrote her first song called Dollar Bills. She said, I still remember the first song I heard. My dad was listening to what I now know was Pink Floyd's Money and understanding only the sounds of the cash register in the intro, I wrote a song called Dollar Bills on my Mickey Mouse staff paper. (laughs) 
She's not going to tell us to how it went. <laughs> no, we, I don't know how it goes, but I imagine if you know, when, you know the chini. Yeah, money. I believe it's um. I don't ever run out of them. I have Mommy so and many Daddy give them to me. Yeah, I think that's one of it. Lady Gaga's mother said she was creative and unequivocally her own person, but her peers didn't always appreciate the things that made her unique and different. As a result, they would sometimes taunt, humiliate, and exclude her. It was hurtful for her to experience and heartbreaking for me to watch. And this is going to be a thread yes. for the whole thing. It's, it's she is is about her being bullied for being different. We well, have to remember too that as much as you know, you want to be envious of the fact that she went to the same school as Paris and Nikki Hilton. She was made fun of for things like having a big nose and having, quote, rabbit teeth because she didn't look like the Paris Hiltons. And as someone that moved from New York to Paris Hilton kind of has a big nose, though. I mean, not anymore. No, she's fucking, oh, you gotta do a clueless on there. You forget how big nose jobs I were. I thought you were. I thought you were referencing cocaine. <laughs> well, she oh, also no, loved no. cocaine. <laughs> I mean, I imagine. <laughs> I imagine. Um. So yeah, she ends up going to an all-girls private Roman Catholic school, uh, and uh, and the bullying begins there. And but still, she's she's excelling in the school's jazz orchestra, taking on leading roles in the school plays like Guys and Dolls. And I think it's very important to know that she was always very theatrical. It was never just about the music. There was so much of a performative aspect going on with her from the very beginning, all the way up to the point where um, she ends up going to NYC's Tisch School of the Arts for theater. A, a little side note: you talk about how she looked different, how. Um, you know, people, she, there was a lot in the special because this is really a great part of the special. Liza Minnelli goes to visit her backstage uh, and she calls out Liza Minnelli in her live show in Madison Square Garden and everybody stands for Liza, which is like this That's amazing awesome. moment. And then, and then Lady Gaga talks about it. She was like, I was in school and they said, you'll never be the ingenue. You'll never be the star because you don't have the look. You don't have the hair. You don't have the, the thing. And she, and, then you, and she was like, and you know what I said? I said, what about Liza? What about Liza? And so Liza was like this huge inspiration to her and getting to tell her that backstage was this like really touching moment in the documentary. And Liza Minnelli, like she just gives it all up to Liza Minnelli and they're just like hugging each other. They've never met before. They're just like hugging each other and just like loving on each other. And Liza Minnelli is just like, you're so original. You're so wonderful. I just love what you're doing. It was just such a beautiful thing. So anyways, I thought that was really great. What are these teachers doing? What do you do in your life where you become a teacher where your main job is to tell 17 year olds they're not gonna be <laughs> have you the been star. to acting school you're never gonna be a star kid yeah it's acting school that's all that acting school is that if you any kind of different i mean the things that they used to tell us yeah they really do it's ridiculous. i will say acting school and and any kind of theater school uh, at least speaking from experience it immediately sets you up for the lifetime of heartache that you are signing yourself up for. They mm-hmm. started early. They let they you know early. you are shit and no one will ever like you. Yeah. Well, and, and then you do <laughs> have to sort of thank them because 
at least for me, I've gotten half of the things I've gotten from pure resentment. Mm? Right. Just a- absolute spite. Uh, right. Of course. And that's definitely a part of where Lady Gaga comes from is spite. But she, I will say, she has been really good with working with a lot of the same people throughout all of these years. Because starting at the age of 14 was when she started working with the vocal coach, Don Lawrence, who she still works with to this day. Oh, wow. She said at 14, Stephanie who is Lady Gaga, started to work with voice teacher Don Lawrence. She recalls the person who suggested her to meet him. She said, I was singing I Want It That Way to myself in a shop down the street from my house when the store owner, who happened to also be a musician, pulled me aside and slipped a phone number in my hand. He told me his uncle was a highly respected voice teacher who he thought would like to work with me. I called him up and remember his words. I work with Grammy Award winning Christina Aguilera, Bono of U2, Mick Jagger, and as the list got larger, I got more excited. So she started working with him as a vocal coach at the age of 14. Again, her parents were very supportive of her dreams. Her mother even was taking her to open mic nights. My mother would take me along and say, my daughter's very young, but she's very talented. I'll Ugh. sit with her as she plays. That sounds, it sounds a little bit like a nightmare, mom. It does. <laughs> my daughter's very young, but she's very talented. Especially because <laughs> she had said, she'd say to the manager, listen, I know she's too young to be in here and I'm too old to be in here, but she's incredibly <laughs> talented and she's a singer songwriter. And could she sign up on your open mic list? And we just sat and waited around for them to call my name i can't even as par- uh, my parents would never in a million years do that right <laughs> and, I mean, there's a there's a, a way to look at that as good and bad it is good I and mean, bad yes sometimes you don't want to be putting your 14 year old child in a nightclub that's the thing <laughs> and this is she also had her first classic rock cover band which some assume is called Mackin Pulsifier because that is what she had thanked in the line notes of her first album and that was in her freshman year of high school. Mm. The band did covers of Led Zeppelin songs along with Pink Floyd and Jefferson Airplane. And at 13, she wrote her first piano ballad to love again. She's been writing music her entire life. Yeah, it's crazy. So now she gets an early admission into NYC's Tisch School for the Arts at the age of 17, where she studies music. She writes essays on various subjects, notably photographer Spencer Tunick, a photographer known for organizing large-scale nude shoots, and Damien Hurst, a sculptor whose work tended to focus on life, death, and money, as seen in his skull made out of diamonds and real human teeth. I actually got to see that sculpture at uh, PS1. It's a dope fucking sculpture and really does inform. It's very Gaga, I feel like that uh, diamond skull sculpture. She ends up, though, dropping out of school her sophomore year in 2005 to pursue music full-time, and this is when shit gets nuts. Yes. Now, Holden, you had brought up that Howard Stern interview with her, Uh and that is actually when she had first brought up the fact that she was sexually assaulted at NYU by a man 20 years older than she was. Now, this is a huge part of what of where that rage and her wanting to own herself again came from because she didn't want to be defined by it. She said, I didn't tell anyone for, I think, seven years. I didn't know how to think about it. I didn't know how to accept it. I didn't know how not to blame myself or think it was my fault. It was something that really changed my life. It changed who I was completely. So this is around the same time that she's dropping out of college. So when she dropped out of a college... She made a deal with her parents. Her parents came to her and they gave her one year to be signed to a record label or she would have to go back to college. 
Mm. Which again is something that in reading that part of me gets envious of that oh, of there course. was someone I mean, that, you have to you yeah, have to it, you know, and I can't not bringing it up because it's hard that someone's like I will pay your bills essentially go try and be famous yeah and, but you know you get there through a different journey and sometimes it's better off the other way but I get why people get mad about that but really, she worked her ass re- off and she, she totally yeah. do it it's really looking at it from the sense of somebody in that position who was as talented and didn't have the money would have a harder time but mm-hmm. that doesn't negate her talent exactly uh, she definitely works harder than me so i'm gonna oh, be yeah. completely fine with whatever's going on oh here. yeah she definitely works harder than me but so, so she's performing in the lower east side with the stephanie germanata band by uh-huh. the way the sg band and she's feeling like her peers were all a little just samey she said everybody d- did the same shit super boring i wanted to do something that was original and fresh but also, there was the very important night that was a bit of a game changer for her, at least as she describes it. There was this one night where I had had a couple of drinks. I had new material, and I had on this amazing outfit. So I sat down, cleared my throat, and waited for everyone to go quiet. It was a bunch of frat kids from the West Village, and I couldn't get them to shut up. I didn't want to start singing while they were talking, so I got undressed. There I was, sitting at the piano in my underwear. So they shut up. That's when I made a real decision about the kind of pop artist that I wanted to be, which I thought was kind of fascinating. Just like, uh, and definitely turning into like, yeah, I'm going to go for it. And if you know, I mean, she is, it's so risque, like her, her outfits and stuff in the live show are like, like half of the time she's just in her underwear, essentially. And she owns the hell out of it. So on January 20th of 2006, the band, the SG band, played at the bitter end and sold out their first demo. So they continued to do concerts and writing music, and by March, the band sold their first official EP, Red and Blue, at the band's home base, the bitter end. So I've been to the bitter end multiple times uh-huh. in New York City. It is a cool underground spot. I think now it's more of a tourist destination, mm-hmm. but even then, it was still, it's a great place to go to hear people starting their stuff we we talked about this i believe that it was with joan rivers and i know that bet midler used to perform there back in the day and uh i don't know it's kind of fun that she did start in a dingy space they talked about their rehearsal space for the sg band said we used to rehearse at this really dingy practice space on the lower east side like under some grocery store where you'd have to enter through these metal doors on the sidewalk and she had this huge keyboard that she'd wheel down the street from her apartment on rivington and suffolk which just makes me think of all the weird places we have rehearsed in our lives and also just those those metal doors on the sidewalk are all over new york and they usually lead to like a dungeon (laughs) yeah yeah, scary scary place that's where they that's where they would rehearse so after performing in a show case, talent scout Wendy Starlin recommends her to producer Rob Fusari, also known as 8-Bit. And this might be where the Beyonce connection starts, because initially uh, this uh, piano competition winning child prodigy, Rob Fusari, went on to write Destiny Child's first big hit No, 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 which led to writing hits for folks like Will Smith, Kelly Rowland, before he met the soon-to-be-dubbed Lady Gaga. And he had actually mentioned to Wendy Starland that he was interested in finding a female singer under 25 to front a band that was similar to The Strokes. Hmm. He said Hmm. she didn't have to be good-looking or even a great singer, but she had to have something about her you couldn't take your eyes off. Hmm. And so that's what, which is... (laughs) But Wendy Starland found it with 
Lady Gaga, even though she's an amazing singer and hot as fuck, mm-hmm. and she's like, but I think that she's got the it factor that Rob Fusari was looking for, and she does. And I, I do think actually she's not the kind of beautiful that is thought of in like the Hollywood version of right. beautiful. So, and yeah. so as we're all heavily criticized, I think they would have not looked at her as a, a hot. Tech. Which is ridiculous. I mean, ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous because I think Lady Gaga, even and back then as well, to me personally, is very, very attractive. Of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I understand she's not like the conventional Paris Hilton. So Lady Gaga is now traveling to New Jersey to develop her songs and material. They began dating in 2006, and this is where she gets her name, apparently, which is pulled from Queen's song, Radio Gaga. They created a company called Team Love Child LLC and recorded and produced a bunch of electropop tracks to send off to record execs. Death Jam shows interest at this point. And Lady Gaga is signed to a record deal in 2006, but man, just three months later, they drop her. So this is really the part of the story that you have to understand how success just does not happen overnight, even for Lady Gaga. It is a constant series of rejections and failures and almost... You know, and, and halfway excitements and then it uh, failures again. And that is always the way it's going to be for the most part. And I looked into this because it shows how the entertainment business is so fucking fickle. So L.A. Reid was the head of Island Def Jam at the time. And he was the one that chose to give her up after three months. Why did he drop her? Because he was in a bad mood. The quote was, this artist came to my office. She played piano. She had on white go-go boots, like all the way up to here, thigh-high boots. She sat down at that piano. She played and she sang. When she was done, I said, you're an amazing artist, a true star, and you will change music. And I signed her. Her name was Lady Gaga. Then a few months later, I got her demos, and it was a work in progress, and I was having a bad day. I'm telling you, I was having a bad day. And I said, you know what? I really don't like it. Let her have her freedom. Let her go find her career. It was the worst thing I've ever done. <laughs> you know, what are you, you going to do? Sometimes Except that shit happens. This dude, L.A. Reid, is such a he's such a grosso grosso because in this same interview, he went on to talk about how, well, two months later, I found Bieber. So uh, I guess I'm, I'm half the king of the entertainment business. I just wish I was the full king of the entertainment business. Go fuck uh, I'm, I'm unfortunately going to have to tell you that they're all grossos. I know they're all grossos and entertainment, you fickle beast. (laughs) Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. But yeah, I, it, honestly, I think it was the best thing for her that Def Jam rejected her because it made her hungry for a new evolution, which started not too long after that 
Def Jam situation because Nat, then the real, I think, most important thing for her pre blowing up, pre the fame, was playing burlesque clubs with her collaborator, Lady Starlight. Who is awesome, sirs. Referred to as Neo Burlesque. Gaga said, I was on stage in a thong with a fringe, with a fringe hanging over my ass thinking that had covered it, lighting hairspray hairspray cans on fire, go-go dancing to Black Sabbath, and singing songs about oral sex. The kids would scream and cheer, and then we'd all go grab a beer. It represented freedom to me. I went to a Catholic school, but it was on the New York underground that I found myself. Now, Lady Gaga has actually credited Lady Starlight, who is also behind some of the singer's eye-catching outfits, as one of her club scene muses and the catalyst for her own interest in performance art. So Lady Starlight is why Lady Gaga is Lady Gaga, for I the most part. I love Lady Starlight. Did they uh, crown themselves ladies at the same time? I think, actually, Gaga got her... Lady from Lady Starlight. Yes. Hmm, her lady part. Huh? Yes. yes. The lady part. Because in 2008, Lady Starlight was nominated for Best Go-Go Dancer and Burlesque Performer and voted Best Female Hard Rock DJ 2008 by Elle Magazine. And this, I love that Lady, this is really the beginning of Lady Gaga deciding that what she is doing is not just pop music. It's not just singing into a microphone that she wanted to make performance art. Yes. And she had said, I actually never really thought of it like that performance art until I started working with Lady Starlight. One day, Lady Starlight was like, it's not really a concert and it's not really a show. It's performance art. What you're doing is not just singing. It's art. And once she pointed that out to me, uh, that I was already doing that, I just started analyzing that more and researching to try to take it in a different direction. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we did. And they did that with the Lady Gaga and the Starlight Review. Yeah, at first they were hosting a weekly party called New York Street Revival and Trash Dance. I wish I could go to it. I want to go to it. Where they would put on crazy performances of 70s and 80s songs. I mean, I was in New York when this was going on. I know. We weren't cool enough. And, And yeah, then in 2007, it turned into the Lady Gaga and and the Starlight Review, where Gaga would perform pop songs and Starlight would spin glam and metal records between Gaga's songs because Starlight's actually an American DJ. Uh, And and yeah, she she was like this weird, like, which is great too, because Gaga represented the pop. Starlight was metal. Starlight was a a different, you know, a, a totally different edge. And they ended up actually getting to perform in Lollapalooza Music Festival in 2007. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, I would love if, uh, Mary, could you actually play a little bit of their earlier stuff, even from Lollapalooza? Because um, it's it's really good. You can already kind of get a sense of the talent. Hell yeah. And also, at the 2007 Lollapalooza show, it was actually very important as a barometer for how famous Lady Gaga was about to become. And she wasn't even blonde yet. I read that in like three different articles over the like, Lady Gaga, she wasn't even blonde yet. <laughs> in 2007, she was technically Because brunettes are disgusting. I can't even yeah. believe they are allowed <laughs> to live. How dare you? Ouch. She said, 
Because Lady Ga- Lady Starlight would eventually go on to be the opening performer for three of Gaga's world tours, including the acclaimed 2014 Art Rave Tour. So this is the beginning of them having a big show to themselves. So you got to remember, so this is 2007. Lady Starlight performed with Lady Gaga, and they performed at the small stage at Lollapalooza at 3 p.m. for 45 minutes. Lady Gaga wore a black bikini, the top of which was adorned with chains, which she made herself, with high black stockings and heels. Her one costume change consisted of swapping the black bikini top for a mirrored one that turned her breasts into disco balls. So I watched this performance. It's great. But then you think about it. Just three years later, Lollapalooza founder... Perry Farrell already admitted that they spent over $150,000 for the production of Lady Gaga's headline two-hour performance. They built her her own stage to essentially do the monster ball at Lollapalooza. So I think the takeaway is always make your breasts disco ball disco ball yeah. it's how you get to the bigger stage and she said after the 2007 performance of Lollapalooza this is really where it's she sticks the landing with this she stops acknowledging her real name when asked about where Stephanie went she said she's not here anymore she's covered in sequins <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I kind of oh. love it I do think you have I love to, it I think also I've heard that um Bette Midler say something similar along those lines like you have to just kind of like go insane and lean in and accept that you're this other person now yes Mm -hmm. which isn't that awesome which in many cases makes people turn into like serial killers but not if you're an artist no and, and we will I'll talk about it in a little while She's so she dedicates her entire career to David Bowie. And this is the beginning obby, of her obby. Obby, obby, obby. <laughs> this is the beginning of her really leading into that of like, okay, I'm gonna create this persona. I am this persona. Mm. And yeah, so she's infusing avant-garde EDM with glam rock and pop. She's performing with Lady Starlight while also developing her sound with Fusari, which led her to signing another deal with record exec Vincent Herbert on his label Streamline Records. Also during this time, through an uh, internship at Famous Music Publishing, she gets a deal with Sony ATV to write songs for Britney Spears, New Kids on the Block, Fergie, and the Pussycat Dolls. Unfortunately, I have to have a little pause here because I must bring this up. I have to. As someone that digs conspiracy theories, I, this I'm is the so point curious in time. About this, this is on. the point in time. This is exactly where we have to talk about this. I don't know if you guys have heard the Lady Gaga conspiracy theory. This is not true. It's absolutely <laughs> not true. But it is very interesting. When she, when Lady Gaga was working with Rob Fusari, she's writing music for other people. This is also around the time that she starts opening for New Kids on the Block. She's writing songs for them. She was also brought in to write music and also be a backup singer for an artist called Lena Morgana. Lena Morgana was also working under Rob Fusari. Morgana and Lady Gaga wrote and recorded about a dozen songs together. None were released commercially, though the song Wonderland, with backup vocals by Gaga, has been leaked to YouTube. Mary, can we listen to a clip of Wonderland by Lena Morgana?
when you look up the video. So it's she's not only she sounds similar to her. They have a very similar tone in how they created pop music, especially at this time. But also her style was just this is before Lady Gaga really fell into the Lady Gaga role. Her style was very similar as well. Morgana shot videos and began posing for publicity stills, wearing lingerie, outlandish wigs, platform shoes, all which would later become Gaga staples. And I love this in this article. It says, and to be fair, all of which had been staples of the club kids scene for at least a decade. Mm. But it was around that time that Lady Gaga started morphing into Lady Gaga, gave up her gave up her real name and recording her debut solo album, which was The Fame. Morgana's tracks were never released, and at this point in time, Gaga's album The Fame dropped, raced up the charts to sell 12 million copies. And while this is happening, right before the album had dropped, Lena Morgana committed suicide while at a party she threw herself off of the top of a building at an NYU party. And people think that Lady Gaga murdered her to take over her persona because they would have been immediately head-to-head on the pop charts. If they started releasing music at the same time and she's wearing the same kind of style, she would have gone head-to-head. And people think she murdered her because Lena Morgana was this massively rising teen star and since she was working as a her backup dancer and backup vocals, that that was a lesser role. So Lena, according to eyewitnesses, was happy and dancing on the roof of a hotel of some sort. Then around lunch, hurled herself off to her death and two weeks later is when the Lady Gaga album dropped. Weird. Hold on. Hold on. Are you telling me that New Kids on the Block had new songs in 2007? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did like yes, a, they and they were written by Lady thing. Gaga. Uh, this is definitely not true. They 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 know it is not true. Lena Morgana seemed to have a lot of issues. However, down the line. Lena Morgana's mother will sue Lady Gaga for her copying her style and essentially taking the career life of her who's, daughter. Wait, who's that? Oh, the mother. Yeah, Lena Morgana's mother. Huh. Mm. And this didn't happen, but it is interesting. So back to reality. <laughs> wait a second. Uh, <laughs> this is where musician Akon comes in. Impressed with Lady Gaga's voice, he gets her on his label, Con Live, via Interscope, and makes her his, quote, franchise player. Also, she's working with producer Red One on a handful of songs. Red One is like the dude. They do uh, a bunch of songs for a potential debut album, and together they would end up doing Poker Face, Bad Romance, and Just Dance. And Lady Gaga signs to Cherry Tree Records, which is another Interscope imprint. Still, they're having a hard time getting her music on the radio. And the thing you have to remember, not only does the radio deem it too racy, quote-unquote, which it was pretty racy, especially for the time, uh, to which to which Lady Gaga, by the way, responded, My name is Lady Gaga. I've been on the music scene for years, and I'm telling you, this is what's next. But Hell also, yeah. outside of America, EDM does well. But inside of America, at least on the radio, pop-wise... Not a big seller, like for sure, and not 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 pushed very well. And she really did bring EDM into the pop world in a huge way. So Gaga moves from New York City to LA to get out of a toxic relationship. And she's also, by the way, she was hitting it fucking hard in New York City. Yeah, she getting was. Getting hammered, doing coke. I mean, it's you the New York to. City life. That yeah. really is, that is the late night of there. And this is when she's working with Red One. And right before she wrote Just Dance with Red One, 
they had also written Boys, 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 Mm -hmm. which comes out on the Fame Monster, and they also wrote that in one day. And yeah, her first visit to a Hollywood studio with Red One, she ends up writing Just Dance in 10 minutes while very hungover. It's great. Gaga said, that record saved my life. I was in such a dark space in New York. I was so depressed, always in a bar. I got on a plane to LA to do my music and was given one shot to write the song that would change my life, and I did. I never went back. I left behind my boyfriend, my apartment. I still haven't been back. My mother went in and cleared it, uh, and cleared it for me. And so a lot of the songs in the album are inspired by a relationship she had with a heavy metal drummer named Luke back in NYC during, uh, including Paparazzi. Gaga said, I wouldn't have been as successful without him. I've never really loved anyone like I love him or like uh, loved him or like I love him. That relationship really shaped me. It made me into a fighter. Is a, a good relationship one that makes you into a fighter? I don't think so. But really what the problem was that her boyfriend told her repeatedly that she was never going to make it, which is why this was the one such that a she still impetus. loves. I, get, I mean, I think that it was, you know, I'm sure it was complicated. Have you seen a, a picture of him? Have you seen a picture? He looks like the quintessential hairband drummer douche You mean guy. sexy arms with a bad temper? <laughs> me loves, me loves. Keep Jack away. problem. <laughs> and also at this time, she had bought a bunch of books on Andy Warhol and she kind of got obsessed with reinventing herself in a Warhol-esque vision. Now, when it initially had come out, her first hit, Just Dance, was everywhere. And she had told Out Magazine that her goal with the fame was, I very much want to inject gay culture into the mainstream. Mm. It's not an underground tool for me. It's my whole life. I always joke the real motivation is just to turn the world gay. Also inspired by uh, Andy Warhol was the House of Gaga because it was very much modeled after Warhol's factory. Gaga said, Warhol said art should be meaningful in the most shallow way. Uh, He was able to make commercial art that was taken seriously as fine art. That's what I'm doing too. And so they, she wanted to combine pop culture, art, technology, and essentially pitch concepts to a team that they could real uh, that they could realize as they are a range of visual artists, fashion people, choreographers, music people, etc. And she also talks about how when she writes songs, she, you said this earlier, she immediately is thinking about all that stuff. This was her realizing that. This was her saying, "Okay, cool. I'm not just gonna, uh, you know, write a hit pop song. I'm gonna have a team of people who are gonna take." every aspect of this song and realize it in a visual art sense, in a fashion sense, in every single possible way she could. She definitely was a perfectionist. And I will say stars are just like us. Ladies favorite, Lady Gaga's favorite song on the album is Paparazzi. And it's actually, you know what? It's a difficult choice, but it's mine too. Mm-hmm. I wow. love Paparazzi. Paparazzi's great. And I know that it's not a bad romance, but Paparazzi's so fucking good. Yeah. It, it's oh by the way a, a quick note about the Luke being the fighter thing with boyfriend Luke by the way paparazzi half about him uh, after their breakup she promised herself she'd never love again and that she would quote make him rue the day he doubted her so I think that was big, <laughs> yep big. and also it, this is another part of it, really the, the the song paparazzi as well as the entire album she said it's about her struggles do I want fame or do I want love it's also about wooing the paparazzi to fall in love with me. It's about the media whoring, if you will. Watching Ersatz 
I don't. Is that Ersatz, how you say it? Yeah. Ersatz? Yeah. Making fools out of themselves to their station. It's a love song for the cameras, but it's also a love song about fame or love. Can you have both or can you only have one? I think that you could only have one, I guess. I guess. Nah. Also, but also, uh, paparazzi is a nod to what she calls performance art and shock art that she saw in Paris Hilton, Lindsay Lohan, and Nicole Richie in their partying heyday. And she refers to that as a form of performance art as opposed to just celebrity. But it, it is something that's really beautiful about her her performance art is Mod Jam, which is the, the sort of glamour mixed with the grotesque. And mm-hmm. I love that. And it really, it, it is a lot... Glamour is grotesque a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And if you really look at the worst moments in those, you know, celebutant lives, they're really ugly and bad and dark, but also they're covered in diamonds. And I'm just like, oh, I love that. Shit. Me loves, me <laughs> loves. I don't want to think about all the blisters that are all over their feet. Then, of course, there's so many hits on this, especially with the re-release Fame Monster. But then there's also Poker Face both about gambling ex-boyfriends as well as how she has secret bisexual fantasies about women while having sex with men. I mean, mean, we've all been there before. Now, Natalie, you wanted to talk about the telephone music Mm -hmm. video because I love the telephone music video. It tops out at an easy nine and a half minutes long. Apparently, Lady Gaga hates the telephone music really? video. Really? And why is this? She knows that it's amazing and she knows that it's epic and that the song was actually originally written for Britney Spears. So she sees the song as way more of a Britney Spears song, especially with how much um, voice, what is it? The, the voice thing. The uh, voice thing over it. But what she had said about it, she said, I hate it so much. The auto-tune? <laughs> auto-tune. Beyonce and I are great together, but there's so many fucking ideas in that video. All I see in that video is my brain throbbing with ideas, and I wish I had edited myself a little bit more. <laughs> I do understand that. So in her her sister Natalie is in the scene because they look so similar. The scene where her old self, her Stephanie Germanata, uh-huh. quote unquote, is in the cell with her in like the leather kind of thing with the sunglasses on. That's her younger sister. Oh, cool. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. Who is a fashion designer and she's also killing it. I mean, that video is fun as shit and it, yeah. it sort of pays homage a little bit to all the women behind bars movies of the 60s and the 70s. The Thelma Louise and like all that kind and of all stuff like the too. Jack Hill kind of movies where it's like the big bird cage where it's sort of like softcore lesbian porn mm, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's it's really fun and uh, the, again like with her grotesque beauty there's that when that scene when she comes in where she's wearing the glasses with the burning cigarettes on them so and shit good. like it's so cool and so why is this called the fame why is her first debut album the fame she said what is the fame it's carrying yourself down the street like I'm beautiful and dirty rich, but I've got no money, she says. Fame is not pretending to be rich. It's carrying yourself in a way that exudes confidence and passion for music or art or fishing or whatever the hell it is that you're passionate about. (laughs) And projecting yourself in a way that people say, 
who the fuck is that? It has nothing to do with money. Who's I can that wear fish a, man? Two, who's that fish man? He smells like fish. Mm. And I want to kiss on him. She says, I can wear a $2 pair of pants and a t-shirt and a pair of sunglasses for two bucks on the street. But I can make it look like I'm Paris Hilton. You gotta have the fame. You gotta exude that thing. You mm. gotta make people care. You gotta know and believe how important you are. You gotta have conviction in your ideas. It makes me feel great. You gotta love yourself man Paris Hilton seems to have had a lot of influence on her I wonder if Paris Hilton was one of her bullies I wonder but I think that they might also enjoy each other now so I think they may may have grown past it because again well I like Paris Hilton now I feel like she I feel like she grew up into kind of understanding her absurdity and also changed because we have to remember everyone has the ability to change and we have to give them that license that maybe she was not as much fun in the past but you know what she's working on it well I've been saying bad stuff about her behind her back so whatever <gasps> you're mean and I don't like she you. could literally kill you I wouldn't say that <laughs> all right she literally she'll have you, you taken so, out. Look, I've just been talking bad behind her back. That's all I'm saying. But so Lady Gaga opens mm-hmm. for the Pussycat Dolls in 09. The Fame is released in 2008. She sets out for her own The Fame Ball Tour that same year. And while on tour, she writes eight more songs for a Fame reissue called The Fame Monster that were inspired by her love of horror films. And this is where she injects this horror thing into her vibe and I love this fame. I love adding I love the fame monster more than the fame bad romance the video that is my I think that the music video for bad romance is her ultimate thesis statement for I love at that, that yeah, phase I love that video. in her career I was watching it the other day I just fucking love that so video good. and if you watch so in the um the fame monster ball tour or whatever it is uh you see like she goes through it, it's great because it's like it's it's uh, a New York City story where she's trying to get her and her friends to the monster ball, but the car breaks down in Brooklyn. It's very Broadway. It's very theatrical. Is that like the Aerosmith roller coaster? Because I'm pretty sure that's the intro to the Aerosmith roller right? coaster. We gotta get to the show! Right? Remember? Does it give you as bad a headache? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's very it's but at one point in in the show. They go to a tornado. They get lost in Central Park, and a tornado hits, and they end up in a dark, dark part of Central Park. And um, that's when the horror stuff happens, and they're all covered in fake blood, and I there's this whole it. like, yeah. and they're like writhing around in this, and it's very fun. I love, I love that writhing she and blood. Had this horror influence, yes, and it makes so much sense because she was writing the extra songs for the Fame Monster while doing the songs and touring with the Fame. So NBR described it, and I really like this description if the fame is a sun-drenched poppy celebutant the fame monster is the edgy fashion forward euro gothic version of that musical ingenue a frame of reference relevant to the growth of lady gaga in the months leading up to the fame monster's release the singer was dealing with the highs and lows of overnight stardom from her debut and the variety of struggles that manifest during relentless tours and travel. And so your mind goes to a dark place. Mm-hmm. And she was working on this all the time. And this is a, a, you see it again and again with all of the people that she has collaborated with and worked with for years. She wants to be able to record and write at the drop of a hat. And because she worked that's how her brain worked and if she was thinking something and she was feeling something she needed to jump into the bus get on the keyboard and start writing the music because she didn't want it to leave her head and Mm -hmm. from the outside perspective you would say 
like, oh, she's a diva. That's not being a diva. That's someone that is so in tune with what they need creatively that she has to let that stuff flow out, which is why the fame monster is so fucking good. Thankfully, she's actually good at it because I feel like a lot of people do that and then they just don't make anything good and then everybody right. yes. no, it's it's crazy to see in that concert special she closes with the song Born This Way that's like how far ahead of things she is and like she's like because already she onto the Born next album way, yeah. yeah she's like already in her next album while touring her last one which is a crazy turnaround and I feel like that that is the difference between when we did all the research on Prince I was just Prince thinking just about had Prince. so much. I keep yeah. thinking about Prince, where he had so much and he just kept putting out, just kept putting it out. She was still aware of the fact that you can't put out three albums in a year. She is on top of it. And what we will, especially as we continue on this journey, when we get to the other part of her career next week, it is so cool to watch someone that, as much as she's on herself about not editing herself, she's also not sucking her own cock either. She is working hard, but also allowing people around her to be like, maybe don't exactly do that. Maybe don't exactly do that. And even though she had control over everything, she, which she did, she still allowed outside input of what she should and how she should be moving. So it's also in the summer of 2009 while touring that she starts calling her audience little monsters during her live shows. This proceeds, by the way, Beliebers, Swifties, everything. She was the first person to really start doing that, start giving her fans a name, which created... I don't know. What about the Lamley? The The little lambs. The little lambs? Yeah, Mariah Carey. Oh. (laughs) The lambs. Did that happen before Lady Gaga? Yeah. The Lamley definitely happened before. I'm going to go ahead and say I don't... Actually, I didn't even, I forgot that the Lamley was a thing. Oh my God, how could you ever forget? I'm a fucking, I'm a, I'm a lamb till the day I die. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. She's brilliant at creating a fan community. She's got, she's, she's also doing the uh, monster claw hand symbol, uh, having fans put the quote paws up at concerts. She even gets the claw tattooed on her back at one point. Lady Gaga said, I love what they stand for. I love who they are. They inspire me to be more confident every day. When I wake up in the morning, I feel just like any other insecure 24-year-old girl. But I say, bitch, you're Lady Gaga. You better fucking get up and walk the walk today because they need that from me and they inspire me to keep going. I love how... She is very tough on herself to the point that when she created this persona, that people that worked with her for years, she doesn't show up to record 
in sweatpants. She is always made up. She is always like us. on. She's, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I don't have workout clothes on right now. I'm in a ball gown for this <laughs> performance. No, she is. She's full on. I want to say lost her mind, but in the best creative way possible. I want to lose my mind that way. I really am. I'm at the point where I've been wearing onesies for so many days in a row. I think I'm going to switch directly over to ball gowns. I think that's great. I'm, I'm here for it. I really it. want to. I'd like to now take a little moment because I was curious about this. I had always known about this, the importance of the relationship between Lady Gaga and Alexander McQueen. So it was nice to learn a little bit about him. As it, I think it has something to say about some of just the fashion stuff that incorporates into her music and her sound. Alexander McQueen, British fashion designer, he got his start on Seville Row, a street in London known for its bespoke tailoring for men's clothes that later gave him the rep for giving out impeccably tailored looks in the fashion world. Sex, sex, sex. He designed the wardrobe for David Bowie's tours in the mid-90s. Especially, I loved learning this, he also designed that famous Union Jack coat that Bowie dons on the cover of his 1997 album Earthling, which led Bjork to seek him out to get her look for homogenic that cla- that is another cl- iconic album cover, uh, which happened that same year. I think that it makes so much sense that she chose to work so closely with Alexander McQueen, specifically because he worked with D- David Bowie so closely. She Lady Gaga was really trying to draw heavily from the glam rock era of the 1970s, which also pulls on grotesque beauty a lot. Exactly, of uh-huh. and yeah. that so working with Alexander McQueen and, Gre- and Gaga says that she credits Bowie's music for introducing her to a lifestyle of total immersion in music, fashion, art, and technology. You meet or see a musician that is something that is of another planet, of another time, and it changes you forever. I believe everyone has that, don't you? That one thing you saw as a kid that made you go, oh, okay, now I know what I am. And that was David Bowie for her. Mm-hmm. And working and being able to work with Alexander McQueen, who has such amazing ideas. So I, get, I definitely got lost in a worm time because I was not that familiar with Alexander McQueen. Look into his yeah. fashion designs. Right. And I shows. Was, and the oh shows he put on. God. Mm-hmm. Just crazy so cool. shit. Like, like a, um, the, the woman who's like standing there with two... These two robot arms, like spraying her with like ink jets or whatever. There's just yeah! all these crazy. He did all these like horror themed fast shows. Mm-hmm. That one with like the woman in the glass case with filled with moths. Yeah. Oh, I saw that one. It's so. Ugh. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. And it's some. I don't know anything about fashion or fashion design, but really, you can lose yourself for at least an hour worm time on that. And uh, so Gaga debuted her song Bad Romance at the Alexander McQueen Fashion Show, which was live streamed uh, and caused it to crash. It was so popular because people were turning in to just uh, uh, hear the new song. She broke the internet. She did break the internet. (laughs) She broke it. (laughs) She dons a full look in the music video for Bad Romance from that fashion show during the part where she chants, Walk, 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 fashion baby. fashion baby. Which uh, put Alexander McQueen into the mainstream. And this includes those wild-looking armadillo heels. Those armadillo heels always made me feel Weird. Yes. That's I think what you're supposed cool, to. Yes. Yeah. It's like your foot doesn't move that way. <laughs> Have you ever worn a heel like that, Natalie? Um, not not of, of an armadillo. 
But you yes. mean like the kind that where your foot just where your foot goes all the way? Like it seems like you're on point almost. Just just point shoes. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's like that same kind of thing. I yeah. just can't imagine. It was like how does she? Not only the how does she walk, but how does she dance in them? I think a lot of padding. I imagine they're ouch, padded ouch, inside. Ouch! It makes my toes hurt. Ouch! And this is uh, around the time, too, that she had also vowed to Alexander McQueen that she would never be seen wearing sweatpants. Even though later on we do see in Five Foot Two that she does sometimes wear sweatpants. But she had said, because you don't want to see David Bowie in a tracksuit. He never let anyone see him that way. The outlet for my work is not just the music and the videos. It's every breathing moment of my life. I'm always saying something about art and music and fame. That's why you don't ever catch me in sweatpants until the documentary. I don't really like the way she's being derogatory towards sweatpants. (laughs) I think sweatpants are great. You get great fluid movement. This other quote too. I don't want people to see I'm a human being. I don't even drink water on stage in front of anybody because I want them to focus on the fantasy of the music and be transported from where they are to somewhere else. It's people can't it's a little do that much, if you're I just like on earth. We need to go to heaven. Oh, that is scary. So later down the line, Alexander McQueen, she eventually also wrote a song for him. Fashion of His Love is a song Gaga wrote to him as a tribute. His name McQueen is mentioned in the second verse. The song was one of the first songs written for her third album, Born This Way. And uh, so, yeah, tragically, he hangs himself in 2010 at just the age of just 41. Lady Gaga said upon his passing, I am here today not just because of my talent, but because uh, he believed in me. I really, I didn't realize he was so young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My weird brand of pop art manic expression of my emotions was the part of me he knew he taught me. I will be grateful long after I pass and join him wherever it is they put souls like us. Oh, that's actually really beautiful. Uh, yeah, it is. It really is beautiful. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about that fucking meat dress. Huh? <laughs> oh, yes. But we have to talk about the Monster Ball tour first we, because yeah, yeah, this was yeah. something I had actually <laughs> no idea about. And I was talking with Jeff about it. He's like, yeah, it was going to be the sickest fucking thing in the world. Oh, uh, yeah. It. That it was going to be Kanye and, and uh, Initially, Gaga. Hip-hop artist Kanye West and Lady Gaga had plans to launch a joint tour together. It was going to be called Fame Kills, starring Lady Gaga and Kanye West. It was supposed to start in September 2009 as a concert tour that West and Gaga would co-headline. I mean, that would Why be did it get canceled? Because that was the year that Kanye and T-Sway went on the 2009 MTV Music Awards and had their kerfuffle. After that happened, Kanye decided to take a break from music. And Lady Gaga addressed the situation at Billboard's annual Women in Music Luncheon, where she cited creative differences as the reason for the tour's cancellation. In an interview, she stated, Kanye is going to take a break. But the good news is, I'm not. Women (laughs) in Music Luncheon. I mean, that does sound, uh, you know what, give me a free lunch. I'll sing for you. Why do they make women have the luncheons all the time? I love a lunch. So... Of the, she's, she sets out on the Monster Ball tour, and that is what the the special that I saw, the Lady Gaga presents the Monster Ball tour at Madison Square Garden. It is two hours and ten minutes long. It is fucking incredible. Definitely watch it. it, it it's really, really strong. And just really nice for someone like me who hasn't seen her in concert to get to see the full full show. Like and and all everything it is. At one point, she's on just her and a piano. And she crushes it. It is like unbelievable. Like there's just so many great moments in that show. 
we were like applauding at the end. Yeah, it's nuts. It's crazy. That is what they recreated at the 2010 Lollapalooza stage for her. And in reference into how different it was from her one costume change in 2007, the Monster Ball Tour featured 15 over-the-top costume designs, plus a giant gyrosphere, a flaming piano, yep. a neon car, a series of skits, and an enormous squid attacking her on stage. The giant squid monster is awesome. Uh, I did, did they don't set a piano on fire in the special, but uh, yeah, it is. There's so many. There's this one point where she is wearing this like remote controlled angel fairy dress that she like is like standing on a platform like high above everybody, and the whole dress is just constantly moving and changing. And just there's so many insane costume changes. Oh, that was the same year, I think, the, of the performance that I mentioned earlier at the VMAs which was what really struck me originally about her Mm -hmm. which is so fantastic you go watch it now it still gives me goosebumps to watch it because she's in the whole thing everybody's in full white and towards the middle of the music somewhere she has like a blood pump thing that starts coming out of the front of her her Mm -hmm. costume and she's still performing remember that and then she at the end she she has like a, a a wrist strap that comes down and she grabs it and it lifts her up in the air and she's covered in blood and she just ends it. She has the blood pooling in her eyeball and she doesn't even blink. Like she's just this dead ass gaze with this like fake blood pouring into her eye. That's and awesome. It's, it's so crazy looking. That's cool. Dude, yeah. she's dedicated. Yeah. I'll give her that. She is dedicated. So now can we talk about that fucking meat dress? Meat huh? dress. I love that this was a description as an intro to it is that what this article loved about Lady Gaga is that she wasn't afraid to turn old school Hollywood glamour into something a bit more vampy and campy she wasn't just a leading lady she was a femme fatale in a meat dress (laughs) (laughs) I love that yeah this was in 2010 Gaga was the most nominated artist in that year's VMAs with a record 13 nominations she wore three outfits that night the first two were Alexander McQueen and Armani and her third was a dress hat boots and purse made of raw meat I just the idea of what that smelled like makes me sick it does I'm sure that it was a little yuck or they must have probably covered it in some sort of enamel or something right I don't know I don't know it was designed by Frank Fernandez and styled by Nicola Formichetti uh, and uh, they went with flank steak as the cut would keep the best. I get it. They had they had not modeled the dress uh, uh, or anything like that until the day of, like, and they had to sew her into it. And she explained to Ellen in an interview why she chose this. She said, if we don't stand up for what we believe in, and if we don't fight for our rights, pretty soon we're going to have as much rights as the meat on our bones. And that's what it, this an interview had asked her after the meat dress. Did you feel that way? Where do I go from here? She said, well, the meat dress, quite frankly, I didn't think it was going to be as shocking to everyone as it was, (laughs) but that's just me. I have a sort of eccentric brain. So for me, I was like, of course this makes sense. I'm showing up to make a statement about don't ask, don't tell. (laughs) I went to the event with soldiers who were discharged from the army because they were out or they were found out. And to me, if you're willing to give up your life for your country, does it matter what your sexual orientation is or what your gender identity is? For me, it was like flesh is flesh. So that was the intention of the meat dress. For me, that wasn't shocking. Obviously, it was shocking to the world. 
And I have to say, it was quite recently, after doing A Star is Born and working with Bradley Cooper, and my experience even with winning an Oscar, I sort of just went to myself, you have a much greater mission on this earth than to freak the hell out of people. Your mission is to give people a form of love through your art that lifts them up. Can't you do both? I guess you can't. I mean, she's definitely doing both. She didn't think that the meat dress was going to freak anybody out. She didn't out. think, like, all of the animal rights people were going to lose their fucking minds. <laughs> I have to say, personally, I love the meat dress. One of my love favorite it. things is watching the upset looks on all of the stuffy celebrities' faces while Gaga dons her meat dress. It's, like, one of my favorite things. I just love, like, upsetting the squares in that way. It, totally. I think that if I would have come across it in person... Immediately, I would have been very um, upset by it because of animal stuff. But I do respect and like appreciate what she was doing, and it's cool. And this is coming from an almost lifelong vegetarian, so I yeah. feel like it's just it's, ro- it's, it's so good. rock and roll. Right. It's just right. so it's fucking, fun. It's totally. so rock and roll, man. Like I, I love that shit. I have she, I, you know, I want her to get back to some of that crazy shit, which I think that she's going to, which is why we had started doing this research in the first place that this is leading up to her next album drop but she just pushed the album drop so i think that we're gonna have to wait a little bit longer for gaga to be back to this gaga because i love this gaga Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so let's talk about born this way lady gaga said the nexus of born this way and the soul of the record reside in this idea that you were not necessarily born in one moment you have your entire life to birth yourself into becoming the ultimate potential vision that you see for you. Who you are when you come out of your mother's womb is not necessarily who you will become. Born This Way says, your birth is not finite, your birth is infinite. Yeah, bitch! Uh, So yes, Born This Way was the first song written for the album of the same name. Gaga said, I want to write my This Is Who The Fuck I Am anthem but I don't want it to be hidden in poetic wizardry and metaphors. I want it to be an attack, an assault on the issue, because I think, especially in today's music, everything gets kind of washy sometimes, and the message gets hidden in the lyrical play. She wanted the song to harken back to 90s pop anthems of In Vogue, TLC, and of course, Madonna. She have got a bunch of criticism for Born This Way being like, uh, what song is it? Is it very Express similar? Yourself. And Madonna also sees it as such an issue as well, even though Lady Gaga's whole <laughs> whole thought on the idea was like, I'm just glad that she's listening to my music. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that's really fucking rad. Because <laughs> she didn't mean for it to be like express. That's not. She was definitely of the, definitely Madonna is obviously one of her inspirations. Sure. And we, we know how we feel about it on this show. Mm. She definitely, I think, does it a lot better than Madonna. <laughs> See, yeah. yes, I would, I could, I could agree with you on that. She, uh, and uh, she wrote and recorded this album. We mentioned it a little bit before, but she wrote it all over the world, including her own tour bus, Abbey Road Studios in London, recording studios in Australia, Paris, Norway, Nebraska, Vegas, Italy, Miami, and NYC. She worked with artists like Queen guitarist Brian May, and you can hear that saxophone on that album. That is Clarence Clemens from the E Street Band. She's I a huge love Bruce it. Springsteen fan. Clarence Clemens said he was putting together an exercise machine at his home in Florida when a call came that Gaga wanted him in her recording studios stat. 
He dropped what he was doing, flew to New York, met Gaga at midnight, and had a track recorded three hours later. Wow. Clemens told Rolling Stone, she said, we'll put the tape on and you just play. Play from your heart. Play what you feel. It was all very pure. Clemens sax can also be heard throughout the Hair single, including a solo. He says he was a Gaga fan prior to working with her and is an even bigger supporter now. He says she's the real deal. All the craziness and stuff, there's a purpose to all of it. She has no boundaries. It's a day I'll never forget. This album is all over the place. Not just, yeah. the, not just EDM. We're talking opera, heavy metal, rock and roll, disco, all of this stuff. This is a much more thematically, tonally wide-ranging album. And uh, yeah, she's using instruments such as an organ. We talked about the saxophone already. A Gregorian chant-inspired male vocal choir in Bloody Mary. It's just, it's just so. Oh, wide Bloody Mary's a great song. It's uh-huh. such a good song. And uh, what I love, though, according to Fernando Garibay, who is the music producer she'd been working with for four years at this point, and she considered her official musical, her official music director on her albums, said that she wrote most of the music herself and that she needs no help writing her music he says she doesn't need anyone to write a hit song a lot of times it's 100% her but she's generous enough to give the producers who worked on this album a percentage of the songwriting for the production and whatever contributions we gave in arrangement or a few lyrical suggestions here and there she's open to collaboration it's another thing that I think that I keep thinking about Prince And as someone that was very closed off in how he created things, that it's awesome to see someone that is more open, even though she is a control freak. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. My one of my favorite songs in the album is "The Edge of Glory." dance like that I want to be her. It's about the death of Lady Gaga's grandfather, and more specifically, quote. About how when my grandma was standing over my grandfather while he was dying, there was this moment where I felt like he had sort of looked at her and reckoned that he had won in life. Like, I'm a champion. We won. Our love made us a winner. They were married 60 years. I thought about that idea, that the glorious moment of your life is when you decide that it's okay to go. You don't have any more words to say, more business, more mountains to climb. You're on the cliff. You tip your hat to yourself and you go, that's what it was for me in that moment when I witnessed it. And that is how I'm going to go. I'm going to tip my hat. You're going to be on the edge of glory. Yep. (laughs) Uh, And also was influenced by Lady Gaga's favorite film, Rocky. Her favorite movie is Rocky. Interesting. It's an interesting mashup of two very different ideas. But you know what? (laughs) We dig it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that album's great. I, I love the cover. I love her head on the motorcycle. I think it's fucking awesome. Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, and Lady Gaga also co-founded the Born This Way Foundation, a nonprofit organization founded in 2011 with her mother, Cynthia. And they esta- it was established at Harvard University. And the foundation aims to create a, quote, braver, kinder world for youths by creating safe spaces, promoting the learning of life skills and providing opportunities to improve local communities, essentially battling bullying while also yeah, trying to work with bullies. Yeah, making a bunch of snowflakes. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go. That's a, but another thing I really love about Lady Gaga is not only is she her inclusive message, but also that part of the Born This Way Foundation is that it is based on the laurels of positive energy and being good to each other and that is something that she is a huge proponent of and every 
person that works with her talks about that she is a very she's a good kind person Mm -hmm. and she tries to be aware of of the other the people that help her the people around her she's very good in making sure like hey are you okay are you doing good and it's not just thinking about herself and you look at a diva and you think she doesn't give a fuck about anyone except for herself and that's not the case and I think that's what we need in this world. That's yeah. what we need from our icons to be For able sure. to to put out a good positive message. We need it. Even if it's not it's not all cutesy and butterflies and no. rainbows, because that's not what life is. And I do remember it was around this time, it might be a little bit after here, she did a live performance of um the song she wrote about her sexual abuse. And mm-hmm. she had all of these abuse survivors just standing behind her and they kind of walked up at the end. Oh yeah, we'll talk about that next week with the okay. hunting ground. Okay, yeah. But it, I mean, but that's what's so cool is that she's working with people and is trying to help people be open about their their past experiences that not only are not good but shape who we are unfortunately mm. and the, the how she had said earlier that she's not defined by it but it is a part of her and it is something that she has to deal with and uh, i just i i'm i i'm very inspired by lady gaga absolutely same all right, I think that's our for part one on Lady Gaga. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this has been one hell of a run. I'm excited to do part two. There's so many things to talk about. The where her career goes is so fascinating after this point. It's too. so cool. Yeah, it's so cool. She makes so many, the most rock and roll thing ever doing a Tony Bennett album. Ugh. I know, that is so fuck. That's rad. It's also, so cool. It's so cool. She will be uh, part of about a thousand memes <laughs> in, the la- in the last 10 years of her career. Yeah. She created a lot of them. Oh, yeah, baby. Thank and you guys so much. Also, for- a very happy birthday to Lady Gaga, whose birthday yeah. is in uh, March 28th, I think. Yeah, it's like a couple Days. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so we're doing it for her birthday. Happy oh, birthday, yeah. Lady Gaga. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're doing. We love you guys so much. Thank you again for joining us. You can find me on Instagram. I mean, I mean, my name is Jackie. You can find me on Instagram at Jack That Worm. Yo, I be Holden. Check me out. Twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. But more importantly, Patreon.com forward slash Page 7 Podcast for weekly episodes just five bucks a month uh please check it out we are putting out tons and tons of content on there these days natalie my name is natalie jean and you can follow me at the natty jean on everything and also follow page seven lpn on instagram and tiktok we love you guys talk to you next week Bye. Bye. bye this show is made possible by listeners like you thanks to our ad sponsors you can support our shows by supporting them For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot 
for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.